Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker, and we are thrilled to be kicking 2019 off with none other than one of our most favorite human beings, Seth Godin. Shouldn't it be called Corked? Uh, no, it's Uncorked because we're popping here. the bottle. But you're here. I, I know, but we want to, un, the uncorking is, I want to hear the stories of, well, today, you, that we can't find out about you on the internet. Uh oh. And okay. so that's why before we, we hit record, I say, is there anything that I can't ask you? And you just gave me permission. So we're popping the bubbles and you can hear about the inside of Seth Godin today. Well, uh, we'll see. Deal? Oh, well, here's, here's the deal, friends. I, I mean, Seth, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. It's such a gift to be able to riff with you on a podcast. I don't want to go into everything that everyone can learn about you with one quick Google. And I wanted to start this conversation back where it really began for me with you in real life, eight and a half years ago in your office, which might have been one of your first, some version of an alt MBA class. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it was. I've been doing this a lot off and on, but it was in person and it was pretty magical. It was in person and it was magical. And there were 12 of us and undeniably you made a huge dent in our hearts. In the vein of learning about Seth and for our friends and listeners, as we kick off this fresh new year, I am always so curious about how remarkable leaders structure their lives to create remarkable results. And one of the things that we had the pleasure of experiencing with you in that week we spent together was your cooking. You cooked lunch for us every darn day. I still do. You remember? Do. <laughs> okay, I want to know your relationship with food. How do you make your choices around what you put in your body? Well, I'm going to put a, a small aside here because you use the word leadership. And I think one of the big differences that you bring to the world in the people that you work with is not that you focus on management, but on leadership. And those are really different things. Mm. Leadership is what we call it when we do something that might not work. And when we are not worried about compliance, but we are worried about change instead. And so I have tried very hard to organize a life where I can't spend much time managing because if I could, I would hide from leading, leading with ideas, leading with projects. Because if you can spend your day answering your email and telling people what to do, it's safer than leading, which leads to this idea of food because some people freak out when they confront a recipe because a recipe feels like a book is managing you. And they're slavish about the details that they have to follow. And I've never been good at that. So what I try to do is find a food, get the joke, understand the essence of what's being created, and then use my own method to lead the, the ingredients to become the food that it becomes. And in terms of the choices that I make, I've been a vegetarian for a really long time, 20, 30 years. I do eat fish socially and I eat eggs because I think the chickens leave them behind. I just have a lot of rules about food. And I think part of the reason is because I'm trying to control things that are going on because so much of my day is spent working with things that are out of control. Mm. And part of it is because I'm a little bit of a hypochondriac. And if I figure out that a food is costing me, then I'll just eliminate it with no second chances and it's gone forever. Enough said. Your family is lucky because your choices have created really delicious 
I want to say experiences. It felt like every meal with you was an experience. And I appreciate hearing something that's so steadfast in a world that it can feel rather trendy at, at times. Food feels like something that's on trend and, and perhaps out of scarcity right now. And that's not how it is for you. And 20 or 30 years ago says a lot. Part of your genius in cooking, <laughs> I'm sure you remember because I'm sure this is what happens for everyone, but that beautiful kettle is it even called a kettle? It boiled water and we had yes. to figure out how to make it work or we couldn't have tea. Yes, we have two of them now. <laughs> I, I always remember that. And you always had something neat on the counter. And I want to know your top three kitchen essentials, Seth. Well, it, you know, it's funny because some new ones showed up just recently in the, uh, in the kitchen. Been on a dosa kick for the last year. Dosa is a super thin pancake made from lentils and rice. It might be the most perfect food in the world in terms mm -hmm. of nutrition and footprint. But if you make it properly, it's also insanely delicious. And it, <laughs> it looks like it's very hard to do. And I can't do it like the people at the Ganesh Temple. They make one that's two feet by two feet in size. But so I've organized a lot of my life around dosa. Uh, I have a wet mill at home to grind the dosa batter. And I have a, a cast iron flat thing to make the dosa and a little wooden stick to twirl the dosa. <laughs> So there's, there's dosa going on in the office <laughs> most days. I also am a fan of uh, the right kind of knife. I think a knife is sort of a platonic ideal of a tool. You can make all sorts of compromises to make a knife cheaper, but if you eliminate those compromises, you can make a knife better. Mm. And holding, I just got a handmade knife that I blogged about the other day and I bought it before I blogged it. And this holding a knife that's going to do what you want it to do is a very pleasing act for me. Wonderful. Is there one more? No, I would say that the, uh, the other one that, that people notice is there's a pe there are people who are opposed to single-purpose kitchen tools. I am not one of those people. I think that if you can squeeze a lemon better with a lemon squeezer, you should have a lemon squeezer because it's worth it. So in my backyard, I think you've been to my house. In my backyard, there's a 10,000-pound pizza oven that I built with my kids. It's not really a high-utility item in the sense <laughs> You need five hours to heat it up, but I'm glad I have it. You would. We could talk about your kids. They're, they're remarkable. But this one's going to be about you. I, I love kicking things off with food, and I appreciate learning these little nuggets of, of what matters to you and, and how you make these choices. Coming into the new year, I think food is really relevant. And of the top three goals that people set, typically one revolves in some way, shape, or form around food or our bodies. I think knowing your values and in your relationship with food is very important. And then secondly becomes what will the habits be that I will choose to do with that every day. And, and just out of curiosity, is there much planning or rather what is your habit around determining how you will fuel your body? Okay. So situational decision-making has a place, but there are times when it doesn't have a place. You should not do situational decision-making about money most of the time. Meaning if it's $80 extra to put something in your car, that's like spending $80 on a chocolate bar. It's the same $80. And the fact that it's juxtaposed with something expensive or cheap is irrelevant. You shouldn't use the situation to determine it. Uh, on the other hand, when it comes to the supermarket, you should have an enormous amount of situational decision-making, meaning I don't think it makes sense to bring a list to the supermarket if you have a decent supermarket. I think it makes sense to go to the supermarket, see what the market has brought you, and make a decision there. And then I'll flip that, talking to my favorite triathlete, by saying, 
we certainly should not use situational decision-making to decide when we're going to do our workout or when we are going to get out of bed. You should get out of bed at the time you decided the night before. And yeah. you should work out about when you decided a week before because nobody feels like swimming a half a mile at seven o'clock in the morning. And so if you're not, if you're going to wait to see how you feel, you're never going to do it. Beautiful. Enough said. I think that is just the nugget of dare we say New Year's resolutions, though I don't love New Year's resolutions. I do love fresh starts. And so if January is a fresh start for you and you are approaching food and habits, this is a, this is a way to do them. Make sure you have a great knife and be mindful of when you are making situational decisions and never compromise a workout. I always say that there are three things that matter most. And I, I say that mindfully with you, but the first being sleep, the second being great food, and the third being sweat. And my rule is you can't do one before the other. It's hierarchical. You must have a good night's sleep. You must fuel your body well. Therefore, then should go move your body in whichever way feels right for you. And you should never miss a workout. And so yeah, if you, you just see, the take thing care is, of the first two, then you're good. My friendly young whippersnapper, when you are 58, you check back <laughs> in with me about the sleep thing. Because I'm not sure the sleep thing is as much of a choice as the other two are. Are you sleeping well these days, Seth? I'm not sleeping as well as I would like but I am sleeping better than many of my peers. Sleep is important. It's a real thing. We could go down that route, but I have another rabbit hole I want to go down with Let's you. Go. First, it was sleep. We won't talk about that. Second is food. We've touched on that. Third is sweat. And hardly a secret is your love of skate skiing. I do love skate skiing. I love that you love skate skiing. We had the pleasure of skate skiing last winter in Whistler together. And I was no, just- No, 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 no. It wasn't together. You what? were lapping me. You no, were lapping me repeatedly. You were humiliating me. You were wiping up the course with me, my friend. Seth, you were teaching me how to be graceful. I'm more I, like I a understand that. It's not like I have a male ego here. It's just that I saw your innate ability to fly. And I'm jealous. Well, I hope I'm skiing like you at 58. And this is age irrelevant because... I, there's so much to this that I love. I love that you choose skate skiing over downhill skiing. And well, just take us, how, how did skate skiing become something that you enjoyed doing? When did this come into your life? Well, part of the reason I'm willing to evangelize it is the way I got to it was too painful. And I hope people don't have to do what I did. <laughs> I was skiing before they were a helmet. My dad worked at a company that started a division that made ski bindings and skis when I was 14. It was an engineering company. And he came home one day and said, we're going to go to this little hill in Buffalo. And I'm going to teach you how to ski. And once I got into it, he said, now you can be the head of marketing for this company. Because I did all their ads and stuff at the age of 15, which was weird and Amazing. fun. So I got aggressively good at skiing. And then when I was 17 or 18, fell at Sugarbush at the top of the hill on the ice and slid headfirst all the way down to the bottom of the mountain dislocating both of my shoulders for hours and Ouch. they have never recovered. So that was my oh. experience with downhill. And I've tried since then. And then I switched to telemarking so that I could more effort go slower, but it became clear to me that my passion for being near the edge and my body's ability to withstand a fall, were not going to be able to coexist. And I got really lucky because I took a ski lesson, a cross country ski lesson from a guy named Matt who had been on the US ski team and he taught me how to skate ski. Mm. And I said, where has this been all my life? It's coordination, <laughs> it's aerobic, it's craft, 
If you want to, you can buy new wax. Like you can't do that with downhill skiing. There's no shopping, appropriate shopping in downhill skiing. You can browse the wax for hours. You can upgrade your poles every year. And then what I discovered is that though I could do it and I could teach it and I've taught a lot of people, I was exhausting myself. I was, felt like I'd been sprinting the whole time and people were passing me who were way older than me. And I was like, I need to understand what they're doing because it's not effort. Mm. And that was another huge insight for me is that you could add skill without being stronger or more aerobic and that skill would repay you. And that's the thing for me now is when I do it, I have rhythm, I have fresh air, I have the craft and I can amplify my skill. I'm not competitive. I don't care if I'm passing anybody. I just feel like I'm on my ski the way I want to be on it. And it just gives me pleasure. So there's a place 40 minutes from my house in New York where I get to go. If it's, if there's good snow, I won't be in the office. I'll go there for two hours. You only need two hours because downhill's wussy. This is exerting. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't snow here very much. Mm. So I got roller skis like they use Oh, my Europe. gosh. And I went almost every day on the bike path until I tore my hamstring in half and fell on my face. And, and, and I'm like, you got to <sighs> No more roller skiing. So I'm done with roller skiing. Sorry. Oh my gosh. And now you're just waiting for the snow? Yeah. Got it. Well, we don't have any snow here this winter. I was told that we have a, approximately 900 meters. And, and then I was told that was an exaggeration. And we have 600 meters of snow to ski around in, in laps in Whistler right now. But that aside, and global warming, and let's hope we have some more snow because roller skiing scares the daylights out of me, and I'm glad you're not doing it anymore. It's also crazy because on the West Coast, people roller ski up and down the mountain. Yes, they do. And, I mean, going on a flat surface is intimidating to me, and here they are just flying up and down. And Yeah, gosh. so for the people listening at home, it needs to be stated that there are no brakes on roller skis. Yes, don't do this unsupervised. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I also love that you mentioned wax um, simply because I think you like the color of the wax and the idea that you can, you know, play with your colored wax pending the temperature. And it's, it's not as straightforward as just one, one boring wax. Oh, yeah. And I have the iron <laughs> and the scraper and the whole thing. You have the whole thing. Well, despite your way too flattering comments, I don't yet have really the skill of skate skiing. I feel like I have this engine and I'm a bit of this bulldog that just loves it so much. I love that my heart rate spikes in 10 minutes and I, I just get to be outside. And it's typically, you and I spoke of this last winter, it's typically not very busy. You know, there's no lineups to get anywhere. It's just you and the trail and, and sometimes not many other people. And while we were out there, you shared with me one special or maybe you've done this more than once, when you took a group of people and, right. and taught them how to ski. I just think that's a new way of leadership. That's a it new way insane. of developing people. And I want to hear about yeah. it. Well, I've only done it officially once. And it was it, okay. before you came to my office, the really first Alt-MBA okay. was the Seth's alternative Alt-MBA, uh, MBA, which is called the Samba. And there were eight of them. And they moved to my office for six months. We sat together for six months in my office. Incredible. But the first day, we got nine inches of snow. And I said, I know, I'll teach them all how to skate ski. So we get in two cars and go to the ski place. Now, if I had failed, 
I would have blown any trust or momentum I had. It would have been all over. Best-selling author Al Pitt and Polly was there. Al, you know, six feet tall, uh, never learned how to swim. Uh, Ashita Gupta was there. She had never, I mean, snow, no snow in Ashita Gupta's life. And she didn't know how to swim. And so I'm, I've got these people who are not particularly corker level uh, oh, coordinated. <laughs> and I did it. They all learned how to do it. And so the day was saved. We were okay. Phew. But now I only do it. I'll go to the Nordic Center. And if I see someone, I'll just show up in their face and say, you want a lesson? But that's just because I like teaching. It's amazing. And I think note to leaders, if you want to, you know, reinvent the team meeting, go, go hit a trail for a couple of hours. Everyone will be tuckered out and you learn so much about each other and about, you know, how people can take feedback. And it's, it's so raw and honest. And, and I just think skate skiing can, can show you so much of yourself and so much of people close to you. And like food, it's a choice. And yeah. all of these things are, are choices we make. And I, I really wanted to jam on these two topics with you because I think they're reflective of how we show up every day. And well this isn't about how you show up at work. It's about the choices you make before you come to work and how you can think about work being differently. And that can be on a skate ski trail or in a kitchen for that matter. Seth, I promised you I wouldn't take too much time, but I have a really fun game called this or that. And I thought that there'd be no better person than you to rip through these questions with. Can we play this or that? All right, let's try. (laughs) Okay. You just have to answer one question many times over. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) We start here. Dog or cat? Dog. Netflix or YouTube? No TV. Phone call or text? Phone call. Music or podcast? Music. Except when it's a podcast. Exactly. Good answer. Form or function? Uh, Refused. Not going there. Pop or indie? Indie. Big party or small gathering? Small gathering. Work hard or play hard? They're the same thing. What's worse, laundry or dishes? There's way too much backstory to, for me to answer that question. Bath or shower? Shower. Sneakers or sandals? I don't understand sandals. I never have. I tried Birkenstocks. All of, I don't understand. They hurt your toes. Sneakers. Email or letter? I send emails and I get letters. Passenger or driver? Driver. Intelligent or funny? Oh. You know, it's so hard to find either one. And then I find someone like you who's both. Oh, sad. And if I had a pick, sheesh. I think intelligent. I agree, because I think the intelligent ones make the funniest jokes. So Car- you ready? Oh. You ready? You ready? <laughs> oh. These, these two clowns are eating a cannibal, and one <laughs> says, I think we're in the wrong joke. I don't get it. <laughs> We're not dead yet. Car or truck? Car. Money or free time? Well, one buys you the other if you're smart. Coke or Red Bull? Neither. Paper cup or thermos? Traveling cup. Traveling cup. Train or plane? Train every time. Iced coffee or tea or hot coffee or tea? I would say hot herbal tea. Hot herbal tea. Seth, just like that, we must wrap. And our final question... Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Our final question is what is currently making your heart beat faster? When I'm doing it, it's the schools we're building. It's Mm -hmm. working better than anything I can recall doing. And it's turning on lights for people, which is my life's mission. So Mm -hmm. when I think about that, 
it thrills me. But really the answer is watching what the people who have, I've been lucky enough to know, and you are on that list, are doing when I'm not in the room. That is the thrilling thing that keeps me going. Wow. You know, you might not remember this, Seth, but eight and a half years ago, when we came into your office, that week, one of my very dear friends gave birth to a baby, and she named her baby Seth. And she and her partner are incredible marketers. And I just thought it was so funny and said, would you mind taking a picture? And you said, welcome to the world, Seth. And they have it framed and it's adorable. And when I think of the future, it's, you know, Seth will grow up and, and know that, that Seth was around in conversation on his birthday, on his very first day of That's so beautiful. Thank you for reminding me of that. It's really cool to just know the impact that you've made. I know you hear it and you receive a lot of letters about it. And it's something that I will never, ever take for granted is my experience with you. So thank you for your time. Thank you for helping Team Corker kick 2019 off in such a beautiful way. And I can't wait to see you more soon. Likewise. I've been Cork.